Missouri Valley Conference. There's the championship for Andersonville. The Indiana State Sycamores are tournament champions. Loyola Chicago, the tournament champion. And Missouri State is Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. And you and I has won the Missouri Valley Conference tournament championship. The Southern Illinois Salukis are Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. Balfo has won the game. A miracle. This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference. Celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. In 2017-18, the the season in Missouri Valley Conference is a big one for the Valley as we're celebrating 25 years of women's athletics here in the conference. Uh, right alongside, we just uh, have the 45th anniversary of Title IX as well. So it's sort of a big deal uh, for the Missouri Valley Conference. And the league has uh, got a number of initiatives that we'll be doing to celebrate this uh, this big, big accomplishment uh, throughout the uh, the entirety of the season of the year, you'll see a number of different things uh, on campus, online, uh, including this podcast, which I hope uh, to have a number of different administrators, coaches, student athletes to get their reflections on uh, the conference's history with women's athletics. And to kick things off, uh, I'm proud to be talking to someone who's Quite honestly, she's been here for it all. <laughs> as, I, as I was going back through thinking of some research, uh, figuring out what to ask and things, I was just curious about myself. Uh, Patty Viverito, Senior uh, Associate Commissioner here in the Valley, she's been here for all of the history of uh, our women's athletics. And it's, it's kind of unique, Patty, that we're in this situation because not often do you not have the situation where you have someone who's seen it all and lived it all, but can talk about it and probably remember it vividly, too. Yeah, I guess you could say that I've got a lot of institutional <laughs> memory. Um, I remember all the highlights and uh, probably know where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things I think this 25th anniversary is all about is that there are so many great highlights. And I'm, I wrote down a few notes to myself thinking of things that I remember back when I was a student myself. And now that we've had in just the six years that I've been here. Uh, but the first thing I want to be sure to tell people is – a, why we're doing this, what it means, and just why it's a big darn big deal for us. It's a big deal because it's important that we celebrate, um, you know, the benchmarks of success. Um, and 25 is a big number. Um, you know, of course, there were 10 years before that that, that were building blocks to uh, the Missouri Valley Conference that I hope we get to talk about a little bit, the old gateway days. Um, but 25 years is, is a lot of time to and, and a perfect time to reflect on sort of what's been accomplished. And, uh, again, just take a look at the past in, in a real positive way and celebrate the achievements of those that have come before us right now. And I, I did want to ask about the gateway stuff because it does play a, a part in how the transition happened. Um, and, and if you can talk about this, the one thing I was more curious about, so in 1992 is when women's sports joined the Valley to join their men's counterparts as being all under the same umbrella of the Missouri Valley Conference. Prior to that, as you mentioned, they were under what was called the gateway. Um, explain how the, I guess if you can recall what the gateway was, the formation of it, and then the transition, how, how the discussion became to say, you know what, what are we doing? Let's bring everybody together under, under one umbrella. Sure. Um, I'll make it a little personal and tell it from my perspective. And um, when I interviewed for the job as the first commissioner of the Gateway Collegiate Athletic Conference, 
um, one of the first questions I asked was, okay, why am I applying for and interviewing for the commissioner of a gateway job, which is a 10-institution all-women's sports league, and not some position in the Missouri Valley Conference and some kind of a co-ed arrangement? And at the time, um, it's important to note that the membership of the Missouri Valley Conference was quite different. There was New Mexico State. There was West Texas State. They were very spread out. Um, and the answer I got made a whole lot of sense. They said, we have 10 programs in a closer geographic footprint that have great women's programs and offer us an opportunity to excel in women's sports um, in a much more economical fashion in terms of travel. And um, to be quite frank, the Missouri Valley Conference had no interest in uh, offering women's sports as part of their uh, mission at that point in their history. Uh, they were focused on, on football, um, okay. even more than men's basketball um, back in the day. Yeah. And so they weren't located in St. Louis. They were, they were in Tulsa. It was just a very different culture um, than one where women's sports would thrive. And so I give a ton of credit to the, the pioneers uh, at that point in time, the Charlotte Wests and Mary Jo Wins of the world mm-hmm. who said, um, if we, we need to step out on our own and establish this women's league. And they were bold enough because I didn't have a whole lot of experience <laughs> at the time to say, you know, Patty, we, 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 want you to, we want you to lead this group. And so that's how it came about then. Um, you know, the Gateway Conference gave us an opportunity to, to, to really set some, some foundation and, and building blocks for long-term success. Our athletic directors were involved. But our SWAs were committed in a huge way. Yeah. And um, they, they gave passion and devotion um, to that league in a way that allowed us to grow and, 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 and excel. And probably the capstone of that experience was in our last year, um, then Southwest Missouri State um, went to the Final Four in L.A. Um, huge, huge accomplishment and, and kind of a nice way to sort of close the door on that chapter of these women's sports programs. But quite frankly, and I probably wasn't as enthusiastic at the time, um, it was the right move to make. Um, it, it was time for us to uh, step into sort of like the co-ed environment of the Missouri Valley Conference because it made more sense for the long-term future and success of women's sports. At the time, were there any other leagues that were women only still at that time? Um, I think we were the last. Um, I wouldn't want to be held to that as a fact. But um, when the Gateway was formed, there were a number of women's leagues. There was the North Star in the Midwest that had the likes of DePaul and Notre Dame and Butler and a bunch of schools um, uh, in the Midwest. Um, There was uh, a a group out in in the West. Um, It it really was a a time of evolution where there was a, a... a mixture of conference alignments, and some were women's only, but a growing number were not. And gotcha. so we were we were a little bit late to make that decision relative to the rest of the world, um, but I think we benefited from the 10 years we were uh, sort of a standalone league. So talk to me now about the, the transition. How, how does it happen when it says, okay, we're going to join you guys. Is that a directive from, is there, an, is there an administrator somewhere on campus that says, you know what, we need to talk more about bringing us together? Is that your leadership saying, you know what, can we make this 
let's take our resources together. We can do a whole lot more. What's the process of actually bringing the two together? It was really presidentially led okay. decision. Um, I would say that I was an unenthusiastic but realistic yeah. um, participant in knowing that the transition had to happen. Um, I liked what we were doing. Um, I liked the environment in which I was working. And we're not always creatures of change. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would be misrepresenting it if I, if I acted like I was sure. a cheerleader of the merger. I wasn't a cheerleader of the merger, but I was not resistant to it. I, I knew it was the next logical step and one that I needed to support. Um, what I brought to the table in the transition um, – I think that I can take credit for this, is to ensure that it wasn't just a takeover, that it was a, a merger of two cultures. And I thought that Doug and I saw eye to eye on that and that we recognized that each structure had good points and probably points that weren't as strong and that it would be our challenge to sort of like look at the best of both leagues and create a new culture as opposed to it being a takeover of women's sports that would forever be resented. Sure, sure. <laughs> and um, it wasn't that. It was, it was yeah. a very cooperative venture. What role in 1992, you talked about the Final Four, putting a, a nice bow on wrapping up those gateway years of, of the Lady Bears going to that first Final Four in 1992. What role in that, that event, that moment, you think play in saying, you know what, look what we bring to the table? I think it was huge because it, it, you couldn't look at the merger and say, oh, we're doing these young women a favor by right. letting them uh, have the opportunity to, uh, to excel at the highest level. We were already excelling at the highest level. You know, we had, we had team sports that were getting multiple bids into the NCAA championships before we merged. So I think we came to the table from a position of delivering value and adding strength. Which is which was good for both leagues. You remember anything significant from the the Final Four run? Did you make the the trip to go see them play in person during that that stretch? I was on the women's basketball committee. Okay, <laughs> okay. And so, uh, talk about um, sort of a, a nice way to go out. It was yeah. my it was my last year on the committee as well. Wow. And so, um, to be part of that selection process, and then to be able to follow them throughout the tournament, and uh, again, be in LA, yeah, uh, not just as a as a fan, but as a, you know, a member of the NCA committee. Um, talk about basking in the glory. That yeah. was a highlight. I'm going to ask you about Cheryl Burnett because we've got another Final Four obviously that they had, but Melody Howard at the time, um, I, 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 we we get Jackie Styles, we know that eventually, but the level of play that she sort of raised with with what they accomplished, you ever thought you'd see someone play like that? And there's been a, some greats that come through on the women's side that I know I've seen myself, but when you're seeing Melody Howard do what she does with that team, how how are you reacting? Well, not just Melody Howard, but that entire team. And, you know, hats off to Mary Jo Wynn yeah. and to Cheryl Burnett for figuring out that women's sports had a place in the marketplace. Yeah. That I mean, the Lady Bears um, didn't just happen by circum, you know, by happenstance, right. that was that was a fan base that was um, was envisioned and and passionately worked um, to build. Yeah, and it was it was it was really the a model for how to market women's sports nationally. Yeah, I mean, 
what was accomplished by by those women and that team um they were the darlings of not just you know the gateway conference but nationally they were they set the stage for for how women's sports can and should be marketed and promoted in in in, in local and national media and lady bears fans were incredible still are when you go back through the years and we've had so much progress made um you talked about mary joe and, and what she was able to do with missouri state um, thinking back, someone that folks may not realize or may not know a whole lot about, but is there any one administrator uh, that was able to sort of, you know, be a little bit more forward thinking that, that really helped the progress of women's sports in this league? Again, first a little background. Um, when I was hired as the commissioner, um, I was 30 years old and I had a marketing degree and a sport <laughs> management degree. and I'd never played <laughs> sports. So this group of women hired me because they believed that I could market women's sports. And so, um, you know, I didn't have all the answers, but I was surrounded by women who were committed to that vision for women's sports. And probably in addition to Mary Jo Wynn, the other person who was really forward thinking was the SWA at the time at Drake, Betty Miles. Um, You know, Wanda Ford was on that team at that time. And, um, this is maybe a little-known fact. Um, the first year that we were operating, you could operate either under the NCA rules or the AIAW rules. Wanda Ford would have been eligible under the AIAW rules, but not the NCAA rules, just in terms of eligibility sure. standards. And so nine of our schools operated under NCA rules that first year, and Drake operated <laughs> under AIAW rules because they knew the importance of having Wanda Ford sure. on the court. Sure, Interesting. Interesting. Things like that happen often during the transition that you've had, you know, sort of figuring out where we are, what's going on. I mean, I don't think people realize what the AIWA was. I mean, people, especially nowadays, I mean, that's probably a foregone history now. Yeah, the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. Um, You know, that's the group that uh, operated women's sports until the NCAA, you know, took it over in, you know, the early 80s. Um, and and it was a it was a rough transition. It was one that involved lawsuits um, and a very contentious time. Um, I was lucky in that um, you know I worked at the University of Texas um, when Donna Lopiano was president of the AIW and leading that organization, um, and she was my boss there. Then I got out of women's sports entirely for a year, and that was the year of transition when there was all that acrimony. <laughs> and then I got back into it when it was the NCAA. Yeah. So I kind of took a good year off. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things that's sort of been a, a key for us is the importance of women's basketball. We talked a lot about what the Lady Bears and you said Wanda Ford and Drake. Um, and we've talked a lot about our league in recent, especially recent years, of of being a basketball league and the importance of what bas- college basketball means for us. Um, the Lady Birds 92, obviously major key. They go back to the Final Four in 2001. Um, but I don't think what people realize, and this is something I actually can remember, is that Drake and Missouri State was a great rivalry back in those years. And I can remember going to uh, the conference tournament when it would, you know, one year in Springfield, one year in Des Moines. And seeing some of those great teams, and I, I, I'm, I'm hopefully I'll be able to talk to Cheryl Burnett in person and do this with her because I have a story in my mind. I want to get your reaction to it. Is the first time I've ever went to a, a sporting event at Missouri State 
was my freshman year in 97, which was Jackie Styles' freshman year. Um, Illinois at the time was ranked number five, I think, and they were playing a road game in Springfield. The place was absolutely packed. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I sat in the bleachers, um, and they won that game by like 10 or 15 points, and it was an amazing atmosphere. Um, seeing that, I was hooked, and I you know, went to just about every single game that I could make it to uh, the four and a half years I was down there. Uh, eventually leading to Jackie's record scoring record record game playing against Creighton in, in March of 2001. And I couldn't get tickets to the game. And a, a, my friend at the time, or still a friend, obviously, um, he would go stand in line while I was in class as soon as the box office opened at Hammond Student Center, take the student ID. One student could get two tickets. And he was in line. They, ran, they sold out of student tickets. So here we are, these two guys that have gone to every single game for three and a half years, we could make it to the game where Jackie possibly could break the record. So we snuck into the building. Oh, I'm so glad you told me you <laughs> snuck into the building. I was going to be so sad if you weren't there for that. We had a friend that uh, worked in as you know event services at Hammond Student Center. He said, guys, just come in like you're playing racquetball because students can get in with your zip card, and I'll get you through the bottom level, and then I'll walk you up. You can just stand in the standing room section. So we stood in the standing room, and when they came by to check tickets, we saw them, so we went to the other side because we didn't want to get caught. And then when they went to the other side, we walked to the other side that they just previously went to because we didn't want to get caught. That was sort of you know, my experience there with women's sports, and just phenomenal. I mean, I can think of the, the Drake-Missouri State uh, ESPN2 game at 11 o'clock at night. PJ game. Yes. <laughs> Come you in th- your pajamas. Think about all those things that will happen. How do you reflect on those sort of memories, especially if you hear someone like me tell you that story of, you know what, I was hooked. It, it was such a great, great thing to experience. Well, it's all of that. And the fact that you snuck in, I think, <laughs> is is just icing on the cake to know that um, it's not just the uh, the Lady Bear fans that we've come to know and love, which are, you know, uh, sort of characterized as being the senior citizens who live and die, but the, also the students. I think that sometimes we forget about the bear hair and the, the rabid student fans that we had um, follow that team throughout the years. It was it was it was unprecedented. Um, certainly in our league. And um, the important part for the Gateway at the time and then the Missouri Valley Conference is that that became the standard that other schools wanted to achieve. And so then you did have schools like Drake, you know, wanting to host the tournament and Illinois State wanting to host the tournament and building their fan bases um, so that it wasn't just, uh, you know, one school that had great fan bases. We had a number of schools that grew those fan bases over the years. We don't have to talk about softball, but there's a pretty good history of softball in this conference uh, with with, uh, especially some great NCAA uh, history. And we just recently had Southern Illinois this past year. um, And I didn't know this. It was their first time going back to a tournament since, since about this time, uh, you know, early in. And we talk about how our women's sports have transitioned throughout the years and that we've got a great history and we want to use this year to celebrate it. Um, when you think about the other sports besides women's basketball, what stands out for you uh, throughout the league's 25-year uh, history with women's? In women's basketball, you can certainly look back with pride on the – just the level of excellence that was achieved historically. With softball, there's just one word to describe softball in our league. Well, the coaches might use a different word. But I'll say parody. They might say crazy. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, our tournament was always so closely contested, 
And we had lower-seeded teams, upset higher-seeded teams, year in and year out. I mean, people often talk about how there's great parity, and you go in and you say, oh, anybody could win it. And a lot of times that's just platitudes. Right. I'm telling you, our, our softball <laughs> tournaments, anybody could win it, and anybody did yeah. <laughs> in any given year. Yeah. Um, track and field is one, especially in recent memory, that has been really successful for the women. Deanna Price um, is just one that is popping in front of my mind because of her being on the cusp of Olympic success now. Um, and you're at the, the, that championship at the indoor and outdoor um, that sport, Angie Lansing, is a current SWA that was a track and field student athlete at Indiana State, sort of living that, keeping that, that history going there. Um, the track and field's got one of those special sort of backgrounds as well. They do, and we have um, sort of a consistently strong history with NCAA performances and, and Olympic performances um, that we can take pride in. One of the, the we, we talk about the transition from Gateway to Missouri Valley. You know, one of the things we probably wouldn't be doing today if we were a women's only league is enjoying the ESPN3 coverage sure. that we have. I mean, that was the reason why a merger was necessary. Yeah. That was the reason why um, life was going to be more prosperous for women moving forward if we were in a co-ed league. You know, now we've got indoor and outdoor track televised. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not the path that we likely would have been on um, in a different model. The women's basketball tournament uh, became a neutral site event. I know it's something that you've worked so hard. Probably one of those things you wear as a badge of honor when that event uh, went to a neutral site. Um, talk about the process that it was and, and sort of how it came to be that, you know what, the men are having this great success with their tournament in St. Louis, and we've got, you know, home teams winning on their court. Let's see what we can do. Uh, how would that sort of come to be? I would love to tell you that I had this vision for <laughs> fairness and competitive equity and that we needed to be on a neutral site because it's what the coaches wanted. I'll tell you, I loved our tournament on campus sites because of the attendance and the atmosphere that we had on so many of our campuses when they hosted. Um, I, quite frankly, was resistant to the idea. Um, but one thing that will change your mind in a hurry is when you have uh, three consecutive years where teams are hosting and they're the seventh or eighth seed and they win it all because they have, at least in part, home court advantage. Sure. Um, you know, the, we, we had that happen to us in a way that, you know, it didn't matter what the campuses were able to deliver in terms of atmosphere and, and quite frankly, you know, finances. You know, it was a moneymaker. Um but it just wasn't fair anymore. And so uh, it, was, it was that sense of sort of like duty to do right by student athletes um, and the coaches that coach those teams to say, it's time. We need to go to a neutral site. And then the challenge became, how do we duplicate the wonderful student athlete experience and uh, atmosphere that we had on our campuses in a neutral site? And, and that's more challenging. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course – the campus site only works for a great experience uh, and atmosphere if the home team keeps winning. So, yeah, sure. so you know, there's there's risk in both. There's yeah. risk in both. And I'm I'm really committed to the neutral site. Um, I, I think I've seen some real positive growth. Um, you know, we did we did eight years in, in St. Charles and it was it was a good experience. But um, 
it wasn't one that that uh, had the prospect of, of growth um, pretty invisible in in this market. Um, and so when we had the opportunity to take it to a different neutral site in the Quad Cities, where we had not just a building facility rental, but a real partner mm-hmm. in promoting our event in that community. And um, it was certainly an opportunity that I'm glad we took advantage of. Back in time again, uh, 2001, um, we mentioned Jackie and, and Cheryl Burnett. Um, but you guys are also the host of the Women's Final Four at, I guess it might have been Savage Center at that time. It wouldn't, yeah. may not have been Scott Trade Center. Um, at the same time, the Lady Bears are in the tournament. They're winning games. They're Sweet 16. It's like, okay, they're going from Piscataway, New Jersey, to Seattle, Washington. And next thing you know, they're coming to St. Louis. They're coming home. <laughs> Talk to me about that. What are, you, what are you thinking when the Lady Bears go on their run and you guys are the host here in St. Louis for the Final Four? Just a little bit about actually hosting that tournament before we get into sure. who actually made it here. Um, hosting the Women's Final Four in 2001 was probably – the most, certainly among the most rewarding experience I've ever had professionally. We had a blast hosting that event. It's, we, you know, we created, you know, a middle school madness program that uh, got hundreds of schools involved um, in, 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 a, in a program that, that, you know, married education and, and uh, women's basketball in a real positive way. Uh, we created March to the Arch, where we had thousands of people, young and old, bouncing basketballs from Union Station to the Arch grounds. I mean, it was, it was just an incredible experience in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine it, it could have been better until, lo and behold, <laughs> you're watching... <laughs> The round of eight and the lady, and of course, I couldn't go to Seattle because we were hosting sure. the women's final four. And I remember sitting in a in a local establishment, um, having a few adult beverages, <laughs> watching the game. And what was fun is that we were watching these um, a group of young guys watching the game from the bar, and they were going crazy over Jackie Styles. They were just blown away by how amazing this this player was. And so to watch that event through their eyes and then to have them win it. I mean, I cannot tell you the screaming and yelling and celebrating that went on in that establishment. And then to, to be able to have them come to St. Louis um, and play basically on their home floor yeah. for in, in the women's final four. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, we recently had two teams again this past year uh, uh, receive bids. First time, you know, we, we hawked so much on multiple bids. That's across the board in all sports, mm-hmm. multiple bids and getting our teams to the NCAA tournament. Um, Drake this past year, 18-0 uh, and 0 in conference play. Uh, Northern Iowa, uh, a great non-conference, a big win over Kansas State, worked their way into an at-large bid as well, both reaching the NCAA tournament. Didn't, didn't uh, uh, have the best games, but two bids is a big deal for us. Um, I want to get your thoughts on what last season was uh, for the league. And um, you were there with Drake. <laughs> you sent me a video when they were on their way out. Um, that's, a, that's a great season. We don't talk about that enough, I feel, that an undefeated season and just what they were able to put together on the court, um, that's a pretty big deal too. And, and they worked their way into a top 25 ranking uh, throughout the year as, as well last year. There was a period of time, actually a, a pretty long stretch, where getting multiple teams into the NCAA postseason for women's basketball was just a given. You know, we were that good. We were that deep. 
um, and we just expected that. Um, the landscape of college sports, Division One sports, has changed so dramatically, and not just on the women's side, but the men's side as well. Um, it's harder and harder um, for our schools <clears throat> to put together the schedules that will put you in a position to be able to vie for those at-large berths. And so um, to finally break through and achieve that again, again, very rewarding, very fulfilling. I'm thrilled for the league. Um, almost done with you here. Uh, I want to be sure to let people know that as you are a senior associate commissioner here for the Valley, um, you also hold some other positions that are significant as well, uh, one being the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Football Conference as well, which we all know has become the powerhouse league of FCS now with, uh, gosh, five straight national championships, North Dakota State, uh, one year Illinois State and North Dakota State playing against each other. Uh, I remember <laughs> taking the picture of you on ESPN2 holding up the, the Valley Football National Championship T-shirt that you guys had made. We called it the conference championship. <laughs> It's the conference championship game that was on ESPN2 that year. Um, they started calling it the Patty Bowl. <laughs> when, you, when you see your just the reflection on just having so much success on that football side and, and how that sort of you know transitioned your position in, the, in, in, in this business that we work in and, and how you sort of just sort of maintain and, and, and sort of try to push through as well going forward because I think a lot of people look for you. I know a lot of us in this office look at you and says, you know what, if anyone's going to know, some, give us some advice because she's been through it all and she's seen it all, we can go talk to Patty. How do you just sort of keep all that sort of composed and, and, and continue on through all these years? Well, again, looking back, and that's kind of what this exercise is about, mm -hmm. um, you know, I got into college sports because Title IX had passed, and I was a pre-Title IX baby, and I looked around and said, I never had those opportunities. And so I went back and got a sport management degree so I could get into college sports and promote women's sports. Um, and goodness knows the Gateway Collegiate Athletic Conference gave me the opportunity to do that at a very fulfilling level. Uh, three years into that stint, um, there was an opportunity to have football become part of the Gateway Conference. And um, it wasn't an easy decision um, in that it was a women's league and there was some concern that football would overshadow uh, the women's portion of the league if, in fact, I, I took on both. I would say that one of my proudest accomplishments is that um, I don't think that ever occurred. I think that... Um, I can claim rightfully that both women's sports and football uh, were able to thrive under my leadership and that if anything that one complemented the other and helped the other as opposed to in any way uh, take away from that. And so um, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of being the first female commissioner in Division I. Um, but I'm even prouder that now I have uh, several female colleagues in the room with me and I would like to think that that was at least in part made possible um, because I didn't screw it up <laughs> when I had the opportunity to be the first. I was going to ask you about that to, to close here. Uh, Charlotte West, Mary Jo Wynn, Darlene Bailey, um, you know, so many names that uh, have done so much before your time, during your time, and now, you know, as we look forward, one thing. They keep leaving me. <laughs> 
one thing that, as you sort of remember, we go through this exercise with our 25th anniversary um, that you hope will be the lasting impact that when people see everything that we release throughout the year, uh, that will sort of, you know what, this is what it's all about. I, I think that's a wonderful way to sum it up, and I don't think I could frame it any better. I mean, I hope that's what people see, um, and that they can be proud, and that they can be happy, and that they can celebrate um, all that's been achieved the last 25 and, and then 10 plus uh, as well. Patty, thanks so much for your time. All right. It's been fun. This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics.